0: Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. Hello and welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations, the podcast designed for students of travel. Whether you're listening on one of the audio streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you're joining us from groupexperience.com, thank you so much for tuning in. Destinations Beyond Expectations is on Facebook and Instagram, so make sure to give the show a follow or a like. And if you haven't explored dbetravel.com yet, go ahead and pop over to the official website of the podcast. And, of course, if you know anyone who loves to travel, make sure to share the DBE podcast with them. Today, I'm joined by Eileen Cotter-Wright from the Pure Wander Travel blog. Eileen joins the show to talk about her experience in Portland but not Portland, Oregon, we're actually talking about Portland, Maine. You can find the blog we're reviewing on purewander.com or simply scroll down to the show notes where her a weekend for 30 somethings in Portland, Maine blog post is included. Eileen talks about some fantastic bars, breweries, biking opportunities, and more fun things to check out around town. Okay, let's get to my interview with Eileen so we can find out how to plan a weekend trip Portland, Maine. Eileen, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Thank you so much for joining the show. How are you? I'm great, thanks for having me, Stevie. I'm excited. Absolutely, so there's a pretty big city in Oregon called Portland that we've all heard of, but there's another Portland on the East Coast that people might not be too familiar with, especially if they aren't from the New England area. You wrote about a weekend trip that you took to Portland, Maine on your Pure Wander travel blog, and it sounds like you and your travel crew had a wonderful trip. Can you give the listeners a general overview of Portland, Maine? Where in Maine is it, and what's it like?
1: Sure. Uh, It's funny you say that because I am born and raised in New England, and Portland, Maine's the only Portland I really knew for most of my life, and I was thrilled to finally get up there and hang out because it's very convenient to get to. It's under two hours from Boston, if you're driving on a good day, maybe 90 minutes. And it's kind of on the southern side of Maine. It's uh, below the capital and it's super accessible from there. And they have their own airport and stuff too, if you're flying in. It's definitely doable for a weekend. Uh, the vibe is very kind of hipstery, like it's West Coast cousin. There's a lot of breweries, there's a lot of young people, like everyone's kind of hanging out outside when it's nice for like, you know, two months of the year. But, um, Otherwise, when it's not nice out, people still are there and it's still pretty happening with um, all the restaurants are heaving with seafood and everything else that's going on there. And they're doing new hotels and new stuff all the time, so it's definitely worth checking out.
0: Very cool, and the article we're covering on the podcast today is available in the show notes, so listeners, be sure to follow along. And uh, that covers your three-day itinerary where you discovered rooftop bars, breweries, and biking around Portland, Maine. I'd like to go through your weekend in Portland to learn more about some of the neat places to check out around the city. And let's start with day number one. Day one. You arrive in Portland and check into the canopy by Hilton Portland waterfront. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this property and what visitors can expect if they stay here.
1: Sure. This is one of the newest uh, hotels in the city, and it is the um, Hilton brand, but the Canopy brand's a little bit funkier. They're a little bit more interesting and modern in their design and their common spaces, and they're really trying to embrace, like, you know, kind of the twenty, thirty somethings who are weekend warriors and looking to go somewhere for a few days. So, uh, you know, they have really nice big suites, which is great. You can have your bedroom and your sitting area and huge bathrooms, which is also amazing. It's especially interesting because the city is a pretty big city, and to have so much space downtown is pretty awesome. Uh, on top of that, you can bring your dogs. Um, it's a super dog-friendly city, by the way, um, and your kids, if you have them, and whatever else you want to do. And then one of the highlights for me, besides the room itself, was they've also added a new rooftop bar called Luna. And that's really fun to to check out as well and get a good view of the city. It's all super walkable from Canopy as well when you're going to go out and eat and drink and, and hang out, shop maybe.
0: <laughs> cool. And <laughs> going out to eat and drink is what's actually next um uh, because after you check into your hotel, it looks like you, your husband and your friends hopped to a few places mm-hmm. around Portland for some small plates, shareables, and a few drinks. Can you tell us about some of the places that you visited on your first night in Portland?
1: Sure uh, we definitely wanted to hit as many places as possible, so we did kind of nibble our way around the city. We started with a recommendation from another friend called the Portland Hunt and Alpine Club i it kind of gave a European vibe um, almost like a but we were sitting outside. So maybe that vibe was a little different. The food was really Scandinavian. They had things like Swedish meatballs and fermented fish, which we didn't try, but uh, it went well with some hearty beers and we enjoyed that space for sure. um, Along the main drag in old Portland. And then after that, we decided to get a little more bougie and go to this other place called Blythe and Burrows, which kind of had a speakeasy vibe, I'd say, and was a little bit more upscale. So we of course had to dive into some of the raw oysters that were pretty much plucked out of the water right by the, the restaurant. And then my husband ordered this drink that was fascinating. It was like a clarified cocktail with tom yum soup in it Hmm. um i don't know how to describe it but it was savory and almost basily and delicious he ordered another one and then i ordered one and it reminded us of our trip in thailand it was really
0: cool and very memorable after that uh we jump to day number two
1: day two
0: and you visit a place called the eastern promenade which is portland's largest developed park can you talk a little bit about Eastern Promenade and why it might be a great idea to visit the park by bike?
1: Sure. I am an outsider to Portland, but this kind of seems to be the place that everyone is hanging out, especially during the nice weather. It's um, it's like a two-mile stretch, and it's all pretty much paved. There's a huge grassy hill that leads down to the water, so people are picnicking and hanging out there, and uh, all the boats are mostly anchored over there as well. And there's even a small beach we found that uh, it was a little cold maybe for beaching when we were there, but I bet people do take a dip from there as well. So uh, it, it is good for biking because I did mention it was paved and there's tons of companies that you can rent bikes from. You can obviously bring your own if you're driving. And then also if you're staying at the Canobie Hotel in Hilton, they have rentals for bikes as well that are free. So you can take them to the Eastern Promenade. It's probably close enough for you to do the bike from the hotel and downtown, which is awesome. So also, there's not like a lot of restaurants and whatnot lining this. It's more for just enjoying the outdoors. But they do have food trucks and different things like that that you can check out so you can spend the whole day.
0: Yeah, and actually in your blog, you bring up one of the highlights for you at the Eastern Promenade was when you grabbed a creamy. And I didn't know anything about creamies (laughs) until I had a guest recently on the show, Dana Freeman, who told me all about the soft serve treat and how, how they were a big deal in Vermont. But it seems like the creamy craze is kind of making its way into Maine and you grabbed one from Maine Maple Creamy Company. How is your creamy and would you recommend Maine Maple Creamy Company to someone visiting Portland?
1: I'm embarrassed to say as a New Englander I had never heard of these before either until I went to Portland and I'm sorry Vermonters but I'm looking into it now more because I definitely (laughs) need more of it. Um, Yep. So this is a food truck called Maine Maple Creamy Company. They seem to move around a lot. So yes, if you're like on the hunt, definitely check them out on social so you know what's going on. But uh, yeah, it originated in Vermont and it's just like a really like dense, creamy sauce serve. I don't know how to describe it. Almost like a custard if you've ever had that. And they had some really great flavors. Uh, The woman who owns it, does all these unique flavors that she, I'm pretty sure grows, like she grows herself sometimes. Oh, cool. She did like a a rhubarb one I heard of, not that I'm still stalking her on social because I'm still dreaming about this. (laughs) But the time that I went, I had a maple one, which is classic, again, from Vermont. And I had a maple and vanilla one, and then they covered it with maple flavored potato chips, which was pretty wild and definitely a good finish to that treat, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Awesome. Now, just outside of the city sits a picturesque coastline with some classic lighthouses, and you took a drive along the coast. Can you tell me about Cape Elizabeth and the lighthouse that stood there since the late 1800s?
1: Sure, Uh, it's about a half an hour outside of Portland, maybe a little less, so if you do have a car, it's well worth the drive. I did see people biking too, by the way, um, there and on the way. So this is just kind of that quintessential New England shop with the lighthouse and the waves, green. So we wanted to go check it out and enjoy some food to go as we were in, you know, hanging out with the view. Um, it has been around since the 1800s, so for centuries people have been enjoying this spot. It is still working as far as I know, but Obviously, there's technology now, so it's not as prominently needed as it used to be. Um, but it's still a venue for all sorts of things. There was someone taking engagement photos while we were there, and it's just a really nice, calm, beautiful place to to get outside of the city for just a, a little bit and um and enjoy the ocean.
0: Yeah, and you touched on it a little bit, but like the views must be so spectacular. Like it's probably a great place to, to take some some photos.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, very craggy, you know. New England's not really known for their white sand beaches in most places, but the view is just staggering in itself and you can definitely get some good shots at any type of weather and and you can get right up to the lighthouse too. There's a little promenade that you can walk along so you can take shots from far away or get right up to it. You might even be able to climb it on a good day. I think I read that somewhere, but double check those hours as well if you're visiting.
0: So you closed out your Saturday with some fine dining at a place called Scales. Can you tell us about the food and your experience at Scales?
1: Yeah, I'm big into seafood. And uh, I uh, the, the group I was with is not. So I had them take one for the team for me. <laughs> but I had heard all about Scales and I was really excited about it. I heard that they have this really interesting open kitchen concept that I love, where you can kind of see what the chefs are up to. And they have even like the ingredients and the seafood kind of right there. So you know everything's super, super fresh. Uh, We did have to make reservations in advance, uh, several weeks in advance, because it seems to be kind of a hop in place, especially on the weekends. But we enjoyed our food so much. Um, It was very luxurious. I had um, some mussels cooked in like a local hard cider, which was really nice. And uh, my husband did find a really good steak, so you'll be fine if you're not into (laughs) seafood. They also do Branzino's, uh, grilled whole, and everything is complemented with fresh artisan baked breads, which definitely was nice. And wine, obviously. All the wine. (laughs) Obviously.
0: Well, let's jump to your final day of the trip, day number three. Day three. Um, it sounds like your group had a few craft beer enthusiasts within it, so you made a few stops at Oxbow Blending and Bottling and Allagash Brewing Company. Can you talk about the craft beer scene in Portland and what it was like sure. visiting Oxbow and, and um, bottling in Allagash?
1: Sure. So, uh, I did a little research and it looks like Portland, Oregon has 90 breweries or 70 or something ridiculous. and. Portland only has 16, but it is a very strong 16. And I still think that's more than enough for you to try to conquer on a weekend. But we did go to the Oxbow Blending and Bottling, and that was great. They had some really nice IPAs. And uh, again, I'm not a huge beer drinker, but I will have a few. But instead, I did end up having um, a local orange spritz, actually, that they made. Um, And then the famous, I would say maybe the most famous is Allegash Brewing. They do offer their beers nationwide. So most people who are into beer know Allegash. It is a little bit of a drive outside the city. So if you're without a car, you'll have to kind of plan that. But you can go there and you can enjoy food and drinks. And then you can also pick up some to go. So those were the two that we had seen. There are a few more downtown, like I think the Thirsty Pig and you can go to those walkable, which is also nice. And then again, if you're not super into beer, there is Maine craft distilling and they offer spirits like vodka and I think they do a whiskey or yeah, they do whiskey as well, which is pretty good. And then the pre-made cocktails as well, which is really nice. So I'm actually uh, going to a bachelorette party this summer and very much looking forward to hopefully adding a few more of these breweries to my list during that
0: weekend. So your final stop in Portland was for a delicious meal at a place called Terlingua. Tell us more about Terlingua.
1: Sure, we just got lucky and found this on our way out of the city on our way back to Boston. And it was a really nice place. I would say one of the nicest places that had outdoor seating. They had these leveled patio decks in the back and plenty of space for everyone to stretch out. So uh, they had a really good barbecue and um, Mexican, tacos and different things like that. So we had that with um, some margaritas and then we finished it with tres leche cake, which was great. And if you're driving or you're in a rush to the airport or whatever, um, they have actually a marketplace that you walk through before you get to order and go to the restaurant. So all those things you can get to go, you can get some stuff frozen if you find a dish you really love, but incorporating that, they bring in some Mexican imports too, which is really nice. So you can kind of shop a little bit as well on your way out. So we did that and then, just in case you're there right across the street, there's a really good cheese shop too that we also hit up for some edible souvenirs. That was good.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Uh, The article we covered today can be found on purewander.com, which I think is a phenomenal resource for travelers. You are actually the publisher, executive editor, and co-founder of the Pure Wander blog. Tell the listeners more about Pure Wander. Why did you launch it? And what can visitors find if they visit purewander.com?
1: Sure. Pure Wander has been around for a minute now. We started in 2013, almost 10 years. And uh, I started it with another woman. And originally it was a little more family travel focus, especially about the kids. But over time, um, I've taken it on solo and it has expanded to just traveling in packs. And we talk about girlfriend getaways. We talk about multi generational stuff. Like if you're with you're an adult and you're with your adult parents, what do you do? And how do you make everyone happy in the party? So we really like to encourage traveling with friends and family, whether it's something super exotic and far away or just your own
0: backyard. And Eileen, where on social media can we go to stay connected with Pure Wander?
1: Sure, you can just um, search Pure Wander. We have all of our social tags on our homepage, and if you're typing it in, it's usually pure with an underscore wander. and we're most active probably on Instagram, so definitely say hi to us anytime. We love connecting with fellow travelers.
0: So Eileen, I have one final question for you. It's a question I ask all my guests, and that is, you know, on Destinations Beyond Expectations, we consider this to be uh, the podcast designed for students of travel. So I wanna ask you, are you someone who considers yourself to be a student of travel? And if so, can you share a lesson or two that you've learned along your travel journeys?
1: Sure, I definitely always am a student of travel. I'm always trying to learn and observe for my destinations. And I think that stems from my background in journalism because it's evolved into my current career of telling stories and not always making it about about what I'm experiencing, but what other people are experiencing in these destinations um, as their homes. I think it's always fascinating that their lived experiences um, can be so different from ours and how much we can learn from them for sure. So I think uh, one of the best lessons that I've had is, is the lesson of observation and being grateful and knowing what a privilege it is for me to experience these types of things from from others who are who are so generous to welcome me into their into their environments for sure I think maybe the other lesson too is going with the flow that's always something important if you're going to travel because the very first time I ever left my home country uh, within ten minutes I lost my passport and I just thought this is silly I'm never doing this again and uh, luckily I pulled myself up and thought you know I have to do this and I learned a lot from that first trip and it's evolved into what it is now.
0: Eileen, thank you so much for stopping by the show to talk about Portland, which, you know, has so many great places to eat, drink, and it's very walkable. So I really loved learning about the city. So thanks so much.
1: Thank you. I had a great time.
0: A big DBE thank you to Eileen for stopping by the show today. Make sure to check out Eileen's Pure Wander blog. It's full of great travel tips, destination highlights, and ideas for traveling with your pack. Also, be sure to give Pure Wander a follow on Instagram and Facebook. If you scroll down to the show notes, you'll see more info on Pure Wander's social media accounts. You can find this podcast, Destinations Beyond Expectations, at groupexperience.com or catch the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Do me a huge favor and wherever you're listening, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to check out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Instagram and Facebook and make sure to recommend DBE to someone you know who loves to travel. In addition to this podcast, you can watch me talk about more great destinations live every Thursday on Group Travel Odyssey's Destination Dispatch show. All you have to do is follow Group Travel Odyssey's Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn pages And tune in on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Well, that is all I've got for today. Thank you for listening to this episode. Have a great week. And I will talk to you soon.